Welcome everyone to the Arthroscopy Association's Arthroscopy Journal Podcast. I'm Dr. Andrea Spiker from the University of Wisconsin. Today I have the privilege of speaking with Dr. Thomas Yum, who is the Director of Hip Arthroscopy at the New York University Langone Orthopedic Hospital. Dr. Yum was the senior author of an article titled, Six-Month Outcome Scores Predicts Short-Term Outcomes After Hip Arthroscopy, which was published in the October 2021 edition of the Arthroscopy Journal. Dr. Yum's co-authors include Charles Lin, Christopher Colasanti, and David Bloom. Welcome, Dr. Yum, and thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Andrea. Thanks for having me on board. Tom, can you start us off this morning by telling us a little bit about your practice and where this research question originated? Sure. So I've been in practice for 16 years, fellowship trained in sports medicine. Uh, did my fellowship out at uh, Curlin Job Orthopedic Clinic. I've been at NYU Langone Orthopedic Hospital ever since as an attending physician, uh, director of hip arthroscopy, and I also uh, direct the hip arthroscopy research. Um, my practice is on the Upper East Side where I practice sports medicine, and a large part of my practice is uh, seeing young adult hips, uh, patients with uh, labral tears and femoral acetabular impingement. And over the years, I've probably been doing hip arthroscopy for about 10 years at this point. Um, over the years, we've taken notice of our patients as far as when they tend to do well and when they tend uh, not to do well. And something that I noticed from my own experience is that patients who fared well early on after their surgery within the first few months tended to do better uh, than patients who um, had somewhat of a slow recovery and did not feel significant benefit uh, within the first few months. And so that's where the, uh, the research question came about. Great. That's an excellent application of what you're seeing in clinic to then backing it up with research. So in the study, you used the modified Harris HIP score patient reported outcome measure as a qualitative measure of patient improvement. You analyzed improvements in terms of the minimally clinically important difference, or MCID, and the patient acceptable symptomatic state, or PASS. Can you discuss a little bit more the difference between the MCID and the PASS and why it's important to use these in a study like yours? Sure. The MCID is the minimally clinically important difference. And for the modified hip score, uh, it's defined as a change of eight points. And essentially what it is, is the minimal difference in improvement uh, that a patient perceives after surgery. And uh, we use both the MCID and the PASS. The PASS is the patient acceptable symptomatic state. And uh, usually this is determined with an anchor question where you ask the patient, did the surgery give you significant benefit or are you satisfied with the surgery? And I believe for the modified hip hair score, the, the PASS has been determined to be a net score of 74, I believe. Definitely a change from prior research, which would just report on the numbers of patients' scores, which clinically didn't mean much to us. So I think the introduction of these various MCIDs, PASS, and then there's a substantially clinical benefit, or SCB as well, um, the, these really help us understand and, and put into context what these scores mean as we're reporting them, uh, especially in research like yours. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I think, um, in the, especially in the last five years, we're not just looking at overall outcomes. You know, I think our orthopedic literature is full of studies 
whether it's in the hip, shoulder, or knees, of patients doing well after surgery with excellent outcomes and 80% success, but it doesn't really describe exactly how they're doing, uh, meaning have they made some perceptible improvement? Are they satisfied? So there's a, a an evolution of patient-reported outcomes that I think really is uh, making our clinical uh, practice better as we determine more of these details. Absolutely. So uh, speaking of those patient-reported outcomes, what are some of the disadvantages versus advantages of using one of the more historically used scores, such as the modified, modified Harris HIP score, as the focus of your study? Yeah, so the modified HIP Harris score is it's a double-edged sword because, because I've been doing HIP scopes for a while. That's one of the the early scores that we adopted um, as far as looking at um, hip arthroscopy performance. And as a result, you know, when we're doing our two-year outcome studies, five-year outcome studies, it's, it's, a, it's an outcome score that we continue to use. The downside of the modified uh, Harris HIP score is that there's a ceiling effect, meaning that there are patients who get uh, perfect scores on this. And then if you have too many patients who get perfect scores, it's really hard to determine just how well uh, patients are doing. So there are other scores out there. The downside of these other scores that have developed over time is that our preoperative scores from our databases um, oftentimes have not included these scores because they were adopted later on. Uh, so that's why I say there's uh, some pros and cons with the modified Harris HIP score. Yeah, I would agree with you completely. I think in my own practice, one of the things that that I deal with is, you know, whether to get rid of the modified Harris HIP score. Uh, but I agree with you completely that there are there are definite advantages to holding on to it, especially for that historical data. And, you know, there is the issue of questionnaire fatigue, too. So the modified Harris HIP score is a relatively straightforward questionnaire to, for patients to answer. Um, now we have so many options that uh, that they can just stop answering questions because there are too many for them to answer. Fortunately, some of these newer um, outcome scores have been validated against the modified Harris HIP score. So I think providing results on this patient-reported outcome measure can be translatable to some of the newer ones in the future. No, I agree. I, you know, there's definitely a an element of survey fatigue. You know, we have our patients fill out forms when they come in as a new patient. We have updates. And then some of these HIP outcome scores can be multiple pages. So for years, I used the modified HIP Harris score as well as the non-arthritic HIP score or the Bethesda score. But you know, certainly, I appreciate all the evolution and in, 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 uh, evaluating these scores and determining which ones have less of a ceiling effect. And you know, I think studies like yours go to helping us better understand some of the results from these scores as well. Uh, and in fact, one of the conclusions that your study made was that the current MCID for the modified Harris HIP score, which which you mentioned is eight points, had actually a relatively low specificity at determining whether the MCID was met at two years. So you instead used a higher MCID, MCID of 24 points, which significantly increased the specificity of predicting MCID at two years. So can you talk a little bit more about this change in the MCID? I mean, specifically the increase of 16 points used to define achieving MCID with this patient-reported outcome tool. Yeah, you know, because the MCID is the minimal clinically important difference, I don't think 
it's as good of a predictive tool or value uh, because basically you're, you're taking a patient that, you know, just throwing rough numbers out there may feel before surgery uh, three out of ten as far as the pain and then uh, they perceive that they may be feeling a five out of ten. Um, and I don't think that always translates to how that patient is going to do uh, down the line. So what we determined based, based on our, our, our numbers and research is that for this particular study, if you had an increase in your modified HIPAA score of 24, that increased our sensitivity or especially our specificity of predicting achievement of pass at two years to to 80 percent and and you know if you just take away the concept of the MCID and pass and the numbers associated with it I think it makes sense I think you need to see a certain amount of clinical improvement or some uh, factor of the MCID or multiple of the MCID to really determine if the patients will be satisfied later on so I, I think the the clinical uh, conclusion here is that just a little bit of improvement doesn't always mean that they're going to do well two years down the line, but if you get a significant amount of clinical improvement or the patient feels really good or really functional um, within the first six months after surgery, we're tending to see those are the happy patients at two years. And that leads perfectly into my next question, which is to ask you to just highlight the main conclusion of this study and then discuss a little about how you're going to apply this to your own practice. Yes, the main conclusion of the study is that if patients are not doing well in the first six months, meaning they have not reached uh, some level of improvement or MCID, it's unlikely that they will do well uh, or be satisfied with their surgery at two years. And the converse of that is true as well. If the patient uh, has met some significant improvement, uh, whether it's the MCID or, or the cutoff of 24 uh, points of improvement that we found for specificity, patients tend to continue to do very well. And how that applies clinically is that we follow our patients uh, for two years after hip arthroscopy. You know, I follow uh, them a week after surgery, two months, four months, six months, one year and two years, and we certainly have our slow healers where we tell them, uh, based on prior research, that you know it may take two years uh, to get better. It may take a year uh, to feel 80%, two years to feel 100%. We all have our different ways of talking to our patients as far as expectations. What this study uh, does for me clinically is that it opens my eyes a little earlier. So we've had six months a patient that I operated on is not really had much improvement, and patients will be very frank if they don't feel much better after surgery. Gets me thinking maybe I should get an MRI at that point instead of you know waiting on that imaging uh, for a year or two years hoping that uh, they will get better um, and coming up with more answers for them rather than dealing with the, the frustration of the patient feels like the surgery did not work. And there, are all, there will always be patients who just heal slowly, but I think this study shows that it may be warranted to get some clinical imaging after six months if you don't see significant improvement in the patient, um, whether that's to look for non-healing of the labrum, residual impingement, some progression of articular cartilage damage. I think, I think those things become warranted. Yeah, that's excellent. I think that's very helpful in our uh, treatment of these patients who are not achieving the desired recovery at that time point. 
Now, one group of patients that you excluded from the study was anyone who had had a prior hip arthroscopy, so revision hip arthroscopy patients. How do you think the results might be different in this group of patients? Yeah, I think um, I think the results would be different and similar. So similar in the sense that patients that I do revision hip arthroscopy, and we probably need to add revision hip arthroscopy with label repair versus reconstruction, uh, considering the trends of where our field is gone. Um, but uh, in that cohort, which I have not studied yet, I would say my feeling is that patients who do well as the revision hips arthroscopy also know uh, that they have improved relatively early on. And patients, in my experience, who don't feel well uh, within the first six months after their revision uh, probably will continue uh, not to feel well. But that's something that hopefully we'll get the numbers to, to do later on. Absolutely. And I, and I wonder also if there's a component of revision patients in general being more of that slow healing group simply because they've had surgery before. And so the question of whether, you know, six months is actually eight months uh, in that patient population will be interesting to see. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, Andrea. I, uh, when, I, when I counsel patients and talk about uh, uh, expectations after surgery, I usually tell them to add 50% of healing time for revision surgery. So, you know, my, my standard conversation is for a patient to feel 80% improved uh, after six months um, and continue uh, to feel 100% after a year and to add 50% of a uh, time period to that. So, you know, nine months, for example, uh, for a revision hip arthroscopy uh, to feel 80%. Yeah, definitely an important distinction to make between the primary and the revision hip arthroscopy. So there's also been some prior disagreement in the importance of preoperative outcome scores uh, achieved by patients. So some of the prior studies, for example, have shown that that those with a higher preoperative patient-reported outcome score do better after surgery, and then others on the flip side have shown that those with lower preoperative patient-reported outcomes do better. So can you discuss what you found related to the baseline patient-reported outcome measure and how those patients did after surgery, and why do you think that you found that? Yeah, that's a good question. I have... uh... We found in our study that patients with lower preoperative uh, outcome scores did better uh, after surgery than patients with higher preoperative uh, outcome scores. I think the main cause of that is the average age of our uh, studied population, which was in the high 30s and and low 40s, right around that uh, 38 to 48 uh, range. I think, uh, and this, this I probably can't say for sure, but this is my feeling based on my grasp of our current literature is that when patients have higher preoperative outcome scores um, and are younger, for example, the the 18-year-old collegiate uh, player with FAI, I think uh, they will tend to do better afterwards. But, you know, it may be an age-related difference when you have a, a 38, 40-year-old who was, you know, high-functioning in, in running and, and yoga they may not feel as much of a, a, a difference after surgery as somebody who perhaps, you know, couldn't sleep at night or couldn't sit to work or uh, somebody who had uh, dysfunction throughout their uh, daily activities of, of living uh, versus a high-functioning athlete. So I think, I think both are true and both have been shown by the literature. I think patients with higher preoperative outcome scores 
have been shown to do better uh, than lower preoperative outcome scores. And I wonder if something has to do with the age and activity level of these patients. Um, that's that's that, that's kind of where I'm thinking. Okay, absolutely. And one other um, interesting thing I found that even though there was a difference in the age between those two groups um, who did well at six months and who didn't, there was actually no statistical difference in your cohort. But you did find a difference based on body mass index and also on right hips. Um, so can you just discuss a little bit about what your thoughts are on those findings? Yes, the body mass index, you know, I think we published a study in arthroscopy a while ago um, looking at uh, high BMIs and at two years patients did well. But, I, you know, I think there's also uh, literature out there that shows that uh, patients with higher body mass index may do more um, poorly. Maybe it's their fitness level, their uh, preoperative functioning, uh, but they don't do quite as well has been my experience. Whether that's clinically significant or not, uh, I think in this paper there was some clinical significance. I can't explain the right hip. I think that's just one of those random things that shows statistical uh, importance. Certainly, I don't have a right hip practice or a left hip practice. Being right-handed, I would love a right right hip practice. I, you know, I think those of us who do hip arthroscopy know exactly what that means. But uh, uh, yeah, I think that's a, that's more of a random finding that we found. Great. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Yum, for sharing your thoughts with us. It has been a pleasure speaking with you. Andrea, thank you so much. Thank you for having me on and uh, enjoy the rest of the uh, week. Dr. Yum's article titled Six-Month Outcome Scores Predicts Short-Term Outcomes After Hip Arthroscopy can be found in the October 2021 issue of the Arthroscopy Journal or online at www.arthroscopyjournal.org. This concludes our episode of the Arthroscopy Journal podcast. Thank you for joining us. The views expressed in this podcast do not necessarily represent the views of the Arthroscopy Association or the Arthroscopy Journal.